Hey Calvary, I'm Chris. Hey, and I'm Jeff. And welcome to Super Bowl Sunday this week. Jeff, who you got today? Oh, you know, I'm going against everybody else, and I'm going to take the old guy. I'm going go Bucks. I mean, you don't have to be against everybody, but I am going to say go Chiefs. I think it's the Pat Mahomes era, and I'm excited to see what he's going to do over the next two decades. Home if field advantage. Well, right? <laughs> I'm going home field advantage all the way. Well, we got a few things coming up, so let's uh, let's look at a couple of those. Today we're in our Grace and Truth series. We're talking about human race, and Drew Phillips will be here uh, to share a good word. Just a reminder for next week, it's Valentine's Day 1, and 2, uh, we're giving a talk on sex and what that looks like biblically, and so uh, it may be something that is a little more sensitive that you may want to consider if you're bringing kids into the main room. And so prepare yourself for that if you have uh, young kids. Our Love Your Neighbor series is coming up. Yep. Uh, we're going to focus on that, especially we're going to be intentional the week of February 28th through March 6th. And we're going to have a challenge uh, to find ways, creative ways to show love to your neighbor, whether it's an actual neighbor, uh, maybe a coworker, maybe someone you meet in the community, maybe a gas station, grocery store. Find ways that uh, be praying on this going into that of ways that you can find to be creative, share some acts of love with a neighbor, and find ways that we can do that to point them to Jesus. Awesome. And how do you register for that? Well, the more info you can find on yourcalvary.info slash love your neighbor, more of that's coming, uh, and then you'll be able to register for that. And when you register, you get one of these sweet long sleeve t-shirts. Uh, first 200 people who register for this get one of these shirts, and so Go ahead and sign up now for that. Commit to uh, love your community and love your neighbor. Uh, it'll be a great event, and you get one of these cool shirts. Hey, if you'd like to know more about baptism, uh, we, we love to see people being baptized here. It's a, a representation of what's going on in your life with Christ. If you want to know what it takes to, to take your next step to follow Jesus, or if it's your first time here and you're just checking us out, stop by the Next Step space. We'll have that set up out in the lobby, and you can come and uh, and just talk with those who are around that area and find out more about those specific things. Uh, you can also fill out the Connect card that we do every Sunday. That's at uh, yearcalvary.info slash connect card. And hey, be sure to register for upcoming events. We have next Sunday uh, will be open soon, as well as uh, all of our children's programming. It's super important that you sign up for that by Wednesday because that's when we close things off. We get ready to get our volunteers prepared to go on Sunday morning. And so. to make sure we have enough space set up in the yeah, main absolutely, auditorium. Absolutely. Um, be sure to check for updates throughout the week on our info hub, yourcalvary.info. Read our emails that we send out yeah. Sunday and Wednesday afternoons. Follow us throughout the week on all of our social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks for joining us today.
morning, Calvary. Just stand and worship with us, please.
Let the praise go. 
this room, I pray for this place as we gather here today to worship you, to learn from you. God, I pray for Drew. I pray that your words would be his words. God, I pray for this room that all tensions would be melted away with your mercy. In your wonderful name, we pray. Amen. Here, there you go. Hello, there we go. Good morning. Glad everyone is here. Um, if you're joining us online, we're glad that you're joining us uh, today. Um, but if you are online today, I just want to let you know that you're missing out um, because the weather this morning was unbelievable. So there's something about walking outside and the, the, the cold burning your skin that you just can't get if you're sitting on your couch right now. So my challenge to you is if you're at home or if you're watching this um, even a little bit later today, that you get outside and allow that cold air just to pierce your soul and it makes you know that you're alive and that you're human. Um, so that we can celebrate that this morning. We're glad that you're here. My name is Drew Phillips. I'm the associate pastor here at Calvary, and we are going to be continuing our series on grace and truth. And this has been a series for us that's been um, a good series, but one that's been challenging, and challenging to, to preach and to teach on because we are doing our best to navigate conversations that normally we are maybe a little bit nervous to have or fearful to have, and hopefully looking at how we balance grace and truth in that. So the first week, Daniel talked about salvation and how we find the balance of grace and truth, making sure that we're not legalists. At the same time, we're not just do whatever you want, believe whatever you want. Know that there is one way to the Father, and that is through Jesus. And how we do that takes a balance of grace and truth. Last week, Daniel talked about uh, reconciliation and how we reconcile with those that we have issues with and the difficult process and journey it is to truly reconcile. And as followers of Jesus, uh, how, we, how we balance grace and truth there. And today we're going to continue the conversation and talk about race and how we balance those two. But before we get there, I want to remind us of something, that if we call ourselves followers of Jesus, our plumb line, our baseline, is Jesus. So he set the standard of what that... Of what, how we live, he set that standard. And we get that 
in Scripture, especially when it comes to this balance of grace and truth. So if you look at John chapter 1, and in verse 17 it says this, For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Did you hear that? The law came from Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And John is reminding us readers and the readers of this that the law, truth, did come through Moses. And Moses had the Ten Commandments and they had all the laws that set up. But grace and truth, the better portion, came through Jesus. And to the early readers of this, this would have been a kind of scandalous statement. Because Moses was the dude. Moses was the guy that everyone idolized, Israelites looked up to. This was the person that they were trying to be like, was to be like Moses, because Jesus hadn't shown up on the scene, or had just shown up on the scene when John had written this. And John's letting us know that Jesus is a better version of Moses, that not only truth comes through him, but grace as well. And we see through the rest of the Gospels of Jesus living this out, demonstrating this for us, this balance of grace and truth. We're going to look at a couple different passages today, so we'll kind of be skipping around a little bit. But before we get there, there's something I'd like to just, uh, I'd like for us to notice today before we get into this difficult topic. Um, first of all, um, I have 25 to 30 minutes. So there's no way that I can cover everything that should be talked about, mentioned, brought up in 25 to 30 minutes. And I was kind and didn't keep you here for an hour and a half, which even with that, I wouldn't have enough time. So let's just get out loud. Let's recognize that all of the conversation that we're going to have today could not at all happen right now. We do have an info hub, which is where you've probably maybe signed up for church. Each week through this series, we have a card on there that you can click on that gives you additional resources. So if this is something that interests you, if you'd like to dive a little bit deeper, there are some resources, podcasts, videos, books, articles that you can go on and read and start to uh, investigate this more there. So again, first and foremost, we'll not be able to cover everything in 25 to 30 minutes. Secondly, I'd like to notice this. This would have been a fuller conversation had I been able to be up here with other people of different races and ethnicities and been able to have a conversation, a dialogue with someone that's different than I am. Because of the world we live in right now, that wasn't a possibility and it would have been one that we would have liked to do and hopefully will do in the future. But I also just want to just notice that this could be a fuller conversation had different races and ethnicities been able to uh, be up here and, and, and share the stage today. And finally, I'd like to notice this, that we are people, I'd like for us to pay attention to this, that we are people who most of the time identify and spend time with people who look like us. That our go-to, our natural mode is to be around people who look, act, and live like we do. And so for us to enter into a conversation like this can be a little bit bumpy, can be a little bit rocky, but if we can all agree that that is norm, our normal tendency then it'll give us some, some, some ground to, to speak on today. And for me, the way, the way this is kind of, uh, I've noticed this in the past, uh, in the recent past, is up until, um, I don't know, about September of last year, I had grown my beard out for 10 months. And my beard sat about here. I said in the first service here, and my wife 
corrected me that it was not quite this long, but I needed to bring that up a little bit. So my beard sat about here after about 10 months of growth. And one thing I noticed in these 10 months of growth is that when you have a beard, there's a beard community. Didn't know if you were aware of such a thing. But when you have a beard, when you're in a beard community, when you pass each other as you're walking around and you see someone else that has a longer beard, you kind of give them this little nod. Like, I see what you're doing. Good work. Congratulations. If you have a significant other, they're good for putting up with you, having all of this massive nest on your face. Um, and there's just, and it was a part of a community that I wasn't aware of. It wasn't something that I had recognized before until I was a part of it. And then all of a sudden there was this special recognition that came because I was allowing hair to grow out of my face. I know my, my wife thought it was ridiculous that people would, anyways. But with that also, now I don't have said beard. I've cut it shorter because it was too difficult with the mask and I wasn't patient enough. But because of that, I am no longer a part of that community. I don't walk around. No one gives me credit for what I've grown on my face. No one recognizes that anymore. Because again, we tend to recognize things and people who look like us. And if someone is different, we don't tend to recognize that as much. So a silly example, but hopefully that frames a little bit when we're talking about race and ethnicity. A lot of times we just gravitate to those things that are similar to us and sometimes don't even recognize the differences. So with that, let's turn to John 4, which is where we're going to spend the heart of our time today, is in John chapter 4. And this is the story of the Samaritan woman and Jesus interacting with the Samaritan woman. So in John chapter 4, starting in verse 4, it says this, He, being Jesus, had to travel through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the property that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, worn out from his journey, sat down at the well. It was about noon. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Give me a drink, Jesus said to her, because his disciples had gone into town to buy food. How is it that you, a Jew, ask a, for a drink for me, a Samaritan woman, she asked him. For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. So here, right off the bat of Jesus' ministry, we get an encounter that he has with someone of a different race or ethnicity. And here, there's a little bit, if you don't know the tension that's there between the Samaritans and the Jews, these were a group of people whose tensions had went way far back, all the way back to 721 B.C. In 721 B.C., the Assyrians came into the northern part of the kingdom where Israel was, and they started to attack the Israelites, and they were starting to take them off into exile. Well, as they were doing this, not all of the Israelites left in exile. Some of them stayed, and some of the Assyrians stayed in that region. And what happened over time is these Israelites and Assyrians started to become families, and they started to marry and to have kids. And before you knew it, there was this new group of people that was being formed that were half Jewish and half Gentile. And the way that works out is, again, in, in the Israelite community, you either had Jew or you had Gentile. There was not a whole lot of difference between the two. You were either Jewish or you weren't. And as time went on, the Jewish people, the true Israelites, began to look down upon the Samaritans because they were half-breeds. They were half-Jewish and half-Israelites, and so this tension started to arise. And so, again, the Samaritans and the Jews did their best to avoid each other. 
This is why Jesus' story of the Good Samaritan is so scandalous, is because the Good Samaritan, the person who did the right thing, as he's telling this to a group of Jewish people, the Samaritan did the good thing while the Jewish people, the Jewish religious leaders, did not. And they would have saw someone who was less than doing better than the person who, is, who should have been the pure breed, for lack of a better term. And this caused conflict between the Jews and the Samaritans. So that's kind of the background of what Jesus is stepping into here. And not only is he stepping into that background, but he's also stepping into the reality that men and women did not talk. Women were more viewed as property, and men did not take the time to interact or engage with women like that. That would have never happened out in public. So here Jesus, as his disciples go away, is doing the scandalous thing where he's talking to someone and engaging with someone that he shouldn't because one of her ethnicity, but also because of her gender. Jesus is giving us a picture of how we are supposed to live. Jesus goes on as he meets her. He doesn't just ask for this drink, but if we were to continue to read on, he starts to ask her about herself and why she's there. And as she begins to answer, he, he begins to tell her about her past, which isn't a great one. He meets her where he's at. He meets her in her shame. Because of her shame, she was at the well at noon. This would not have been the ideal time to go and get water for the day. This would have been the hottest part of the day. Most women who would have went and done that would have been home by now. But she's there because she would not have been welcomed with the other women. And why? Jesus begins to tell her. He says, yeah, you've had five husbands, and the man that you're living with now isn't even your husband. He's airing all of her dirty laundry to her. He's telling the truth about her life. But the thing we need to pay attention to is he doesn't just stop at the truth. He states it. He knows it. It's a reality. But then he begins to show her grace. And he extends grace to her. Let's her know that this drink that he can offer is one that will never run out. And this is exactly what Jesus does for us. He meets us right where we are at, in the mess of our lives, in our shame, knowing the truth of our past, but extending grace to us all the more. He's calling us to do the same, to be present with people, to be okay with the truth of people's pasts. But we should be people that are offering grace before we cast judgment so that they can get a picture of who Jesus is. I love the picture that Jesus paints for us in verses 19 through 26. She says, Sir, the woman replied, I see that you are a prophet, because he just had told her all of these things. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews say that the place to worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus told her, believe me, woman, an hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know, and we worship what we do know because salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming and is now here 
when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Yes, the Father wants such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Jesus told her, I, the one speaking to you, am he. Now, before we get into um, really what the picture that Jesus is painting here, I want to address verse 22. Verse 22, Jesus tells this woman that, that you Samaritans don't know who you worship, but us Jews do because salvation comes through the Jews. And what he's doing, he's not putting her down there. He's not making her less. What he's letting her know and what she does know is that ultimately the salvation or Christ, the Messiah, was going to come through the Jewish line. That being Jewish as Jesus was, he was just doing his duty. He was on mission. His mission was to be a part of the lineage of God's chosen people, the Jewish people. Now he was supposed to come to earth as part of the line of David. He was supposed to live a sinless life, give us a picture of what it looked like to live in the kingdom of God, ultimately die for our sins, conquer death by raising three days later, making it possible that salvation would come through the Jews, but would be available for everyone. And this is where we start to see Paul's ministry and the ministry of the early church really start to take off. Because now that Jesus has done all of those things, now that he completed his mission, now the availability to be in the family of God was open to more than just the Jews, but it was open to those who were outside of the Jewish lineage. So he's just starting to unpack this for her. He's not putting her down. But what I want to pay attention to is where he goes next. He starts to tell her that there will be a time where enemies will worship together. And that the true worship is found in spirit and in truth. And that holds true for us today. There is a time coming where we will all worship the Father together. Every tribe, tongue, nation, and people group will worship God the Father together. Think about that for a second. When you picture eternity, when you, when you picture heaven, what does that look like? Who's there? Is it people who just look like you? If I'm being honest and transparent, for a lot of years, that was true for me. And what started to change that for me was when I had the opportunity to start going on mission trips. And when I was able to be in other cultures and be around other people who looked different than I did, who worshipped different than I did, that spoke a different language than I spoke. One of the times that sticks out the most was I had an opportunity about five or six years ago to go to Haiti. And we were there for 10 days, and the time that we were there, there happened to be, it was kind of their revival week every year. And so every morning at 6 a.m., people would come to the church building to worship. First thing, 6 a.m. Most of them, I found out, started at 4.45 at a prayer meeting. They went from, went from the prayer meeting to the worship service, and they would worship in the morning. And then they would come back in the evening after they were done with their work. And then I got to be a part of their worship service on Sunday, which was three hours long. An hour and 20 to an hour and a half of that being a sermon in a language that I didn't understand. 
but the passion, the love that they had for Jesus got me excited about the opportunity of what heaven will look like when we have the opportunity to worship the Father in heaven and it doesn't just look like the way that I'm used to it looking. And that's exciting. Because again, as, as even as Dr. King said many years ago, that Sunday morning is usually one of the most segregated times in America. And unfortunately, all of these years later, that still rings true. Racial division, racial problems have been a problem for a long time. Again, we see it all through the Old Testament. We see it all through the New Testament. We see Jesus addressing it here. We see it in our world today. And unfortunately for us as a church, the Big C Church, we still have a ways to go. How do we balance grace and truth? The truth that we were all created in God's image as image bearers of him. Also, a thing to think about, too, that, that was pointed out to me this week, probably a little bit even how we, um, as the church, represented what Jesus looked like, right? More than likely, the picture that you saw of Jesus as a young child is the picture that you have of him. Jesus was not white. Jesus was not black. Jesus was Aramaic. He was from the Middle East. But the reason, and this is not to dog on the church, the church had good motives behind why they painted pictures like this or depicted him to look like this is because their hope was for us to be able to identify with Jesus that he was like us and that we were like him. So it came from a good spot. It came from a good heart. But the damage that it has done over time is it's more often created division than it has brought unity. And so for us even to pay attention to simple truths like that will help us get a clearer picture of how we live in the kingdom of God. Paul talks about this in Corinthians, the letter he wrote to the Corinthians in chapter 12. He talks about this idea of the body, and I'm going to go through a couple different passages. I'm not going to read the whole scripture to you, but they should be on the screen here for you. In 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 12, it says this, For just as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of that one body, though many, are one body, so also is Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jew or Greek, whether slave or free. We were all given one spirit to drink. Indeed, the body is not one, but many. Not one part, but many. If you jump down to verse 18, it says, but as it is, God has arranged each one of his parts in the body just as he wanted. And if there were all the par parts the same, where would the body be? As there is, there are many parts, but one body. And jumping down to verse 24, God has put the body together, not giving greater honor or less honorable, so that no one, so there be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. So if one member suffers, all members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, then all the members rejoice with it. 
God's view of the church is one as a body made up of different people having their own purpose, holding the same value and honor in the church. And this is something that as humanity and as the church we have missed the mark on. Racism has been rampant, as we said earlier, from the beginning of time. And every time it seems like we're taking a few steps forward, then we take a big giant step back and then maybe a few more. But what does it look like for us as the church to be different than the world? To stand out, to be the example that Jesus was for us. If we return to the passage in John 4, verses 27 through 39, the disciples return. So they're back from town, they have food, they return to Jesus, and they're asking him. I'm sure they've got some questions, understanding what's going on there. No, they recognize that Jesus isn't doing things that he should be doing. And Jesus kind of turns the conversation a little bit, and in that time, during that conversation, he tells them that the harvest is ripe and is plentiful. He just needs workers that are ready to work. And as he starts to unfold this, the woman heads back to her town. And what we're about to see is exactly what Jesus was talking about. It was about to happen. So in verse 39, as she has returned, we read this. Now many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of what the woman said when she testified. She said, he told me everything I did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there for two days. Many more believed because of what he said. And they told the woman, we no longer believe because of what you said, since we have heard for ourselves and know that this really is the Savior of the world. So here at the conclusion of the story, we see a whole town that comes to the saving knowledge and understanding the saving grace that Jesus offered. And it happened by two ways. First of all, it happened because Jesus, or because this woman was honest about the difference that Jesus had made in her life. Her testimony, the difference, the hope that she had found in her conversation with Jesus, she shared openly even amongst the shame. Again, she knew that everyone knew her garbage and everything that was going on, but she said that he knew that. And because of that, because of her willingness to be open with her story and the, and the difference that Jesus had made in her life, people came to a saving understanding and knowledge of who Jesus is. So for us today, how does God want to use our story with the people who are around us? How does God want to use our story, the difference that Jesus has made in our life in order for others to know the same freedom and the same hope and the same peace that we have? Secondly, Jesus went to be with them for two days. And even more came because of his presence with them. What does it look like for us to have presence, have a presence with people who are different than us? I imagine during this time, Jesus walked with them, sat and talked, ate meals, answered questions, listened. And we may not, not have all the answers that Jesus has, 
But what we can do is we can listen. And we can be present. And we can be intentional that to make sure that we are doing that with people who don't look like we look, act like we act, live like we live. But we're intentionally trying to learn and listen and gain a different perspective to show value and honor and for us to learn. It's exactly what Jesus does here. So how can we be more present with those who look, sound, act differently for the sake of God's kingdom? We as Jesus' disciples, you may be thinking, yeah, Jesus was able to do this. He was able to know her whole life story ahead of time. We don't have that ability. We don't. Some people I've, I've learned are really good at Facebook stalking, so you can find out a lot about people before you actually interact with them now than before. But that's where the listening part comes in. That's where asking good questions, when we're able to engage in that way. And this is something for me that I'm, I'm trying to learn to do. I'm trying to get better at, is asking questions. Because most of the time, if you didn't know this about me, I'm a talker. I like to talk, and sometimes I talk too much. You can ask my wife. She will confirm that. And sometimes I want to talk so much and I'm thinking about what my response is going to be, I don't actually listen to what the person is saying. I don't listen to, the, to what God is doing in their life or what's going on. And if I would just be more present and listen more, the opportunity for God to use me to make a difference in someone else's life would be so much more if I would just slow down and listen. If we are going to be the type of people who don't let race separate us, then we need to take an honest evaluation of who we are spending time with. I talked about this a few weeks back when I talked about community. That part of being in a good community is being around people who look different than us. So who are we doing the things that Jesus did? We see in the story. Who are we eating with? Who are we interacting with? Who are we um, spending time with? What books are we reading? What shows are we watching? Are we doing our best to understand and learn about other cultures and people and not just focus on us, on us? Because these are just small steps. And as the church, I hope we can start to begin to take these steps forward. Because as followers of Jesus, this is our truth and grace here. As followers of Jesus, we should view all humanity as the image bearers of God and value one another's differences in order to pursue unity in the kingdom of God. The truth is, we're all image bearers. The grace comes in when we start to celebrate and honor others to pursue unity in this kingdom. This is what Jesus is doing. He is bringing unity between the Samaritans and the Jews in the stories, which would have been ultimate enemies at this time. Paul talks about this in his letter to the Ephesians. In Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, Paul writes this, Therefore I, a prisoner in the Lord, urge you to walk, to walk worthy of the calling you have received. Listen to this. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who's above all and through all 
and in all. As followers of Jesus, we are called to bring unity and peace and make every effort to keep that. And maybe today, you don't identify as a follower of Jesus. Maybe you're just checking Jesus out right now. Maybe you're watching online on YouTube or on Facebook and you scrolled past this and and you're just curious right now, but you wouldn't call yourself a follower of Jesus. What I would encourage you to do is this. Start to put on, start doing some of the things that Jesus did. Put the things that he asked us to do into practice and see the difference that that makes in your life. And allow that to inform your decision of whether this is going to be someone that you want to follow with your life. Because the way that he lived, how he was with people was attractive. And because of his mere presence, it changed people's life. And so if you're here today and you don't identify as a follower of Jesus, I would encourage you to allow his presence through how he lived, to start to begin to change your life. And if you have questions around that, we would love to talk with you. Now, if you are a follower of Jesus, if this is an area that you would identify with, if you are an apprentice of him, I would encourage us, how can we begin or maybe continue for you to build unity and peace when it comes to the racial tensions in our world? And I honestly, guys, like for me, I love the fact that I live in the greater Lafayette area because the greater Lafayette area does provide a lot of different races and ethnicities for us to encounter. And so for us, this can be an easier thing for us to be intentional with because there are people who come from all over the world to attend Purdue. And how we engage and interact with them while they're here can change and begin to change our worldview and how we see how as all humanity we are created in the image of God. So that brings us to our daily training. Our daily training is this. This week, I would challenge us all to recognize and celebrate someone else's gifts and talents this week. If you want to take the advanced version of that, celebrate and recognize someone else's gifts this week that is different and looks different and acts different than you do. Begin to take those steps. Because if we are going to be people who bring peace and unity and see other people as Jesus sees them, it starts by humbling ourselves and recognizing the gifts and the abilities that God has given others and celebrating those. Balancing grace and truth is something that we as humans are never going to get perfectly. But it's something that we can be working towards, striving towards, training for. And we have the perfect example in Jesus of how to do that. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you again for your patience with us. And Father, I pray that we would be intentional with the people that we spend time with. And even one step further, Lord, that we would be intentional with how we spend that time with them. That we would become more curious 
that we would become more present. That we would begin or continue to value others more than ourselves, others' viewpoints more than ourselves. That we begin to see that in you there is a lot of grace and there is a lot of truth. And when we start to get out of balance of how to do that, we can always look to Jesus. Father, I pray that you give us eyes to see the world as you see the world. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.
And he has given us his word, the Bible that we believe in, that we can rest in, that we don't have to try to figure out uh, what he's saying and what he's not saying because we have his word. So I love that verse. Uh, in that song there, we, we had this confidence that he'll finish what he started. Do you believe that this morning? That from the beginning in Genesis, his goal was restoration, to bring all of us back together under one banner, under Jesus Christ. And so we get to celebrate that this morning. Thank you so much, worship team, for leading us, or Drew, and bringing a word. I'm gonna pray for us here in just a moment. Uh, before I do that, next week, we're gonna continue our Grace and Truth series uh, with the topic of biblical intimacy. We'll let you figure out what that means. If you don't know, you can check with Jeff Brenner at the Next Step space later. So. Uh, no, but just if, if you're at home, uh, you may want to get yourself prepared for next week. Uh, thank you for joining us if you are at home and in person here. And so again, let me pray for us. You'll be dismissed. God, we thank you for that word that we have that we can rest under. It is grace and it is truth. And so Jesus, we trust you more today. God, lead us through the week. May we be reminded who our brothers and sisters are, who those we come in contact with. God, help us to see people differently this morning and throughout the week. We love you. Lead us. Keep us safe. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you back next week.